0: Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we talk about Microsoft's new CEO, Satya Nadella, uh, and how he balances business with consumer. We also talk about uh, Facebook ads. Do they work? Uh, And we talk about the death of Flappy Bird. All that and more on this episode of Don't Panic. This is Don't Panic, episode number 33, recorded February 10th, 2014, on Microsoft's next CEO, Flappy Not Happy and The Problem with Social Ads. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Don't Panic, uh, the technology podcast that wins the gold medal for our knowledge in technology, but comes dead last in biathlon. But what do you expect? We were being shot at. Uh, we've got a uh, a great group of guys, as we always do. I want to introduce the Tom Brady of web programming, Colby Rabadiu, the Michael Jordan of online innovation, Dan Miller, and uh, the Tim Tebow of knowing things about stuff, Sean Jennings. Uh, <laughs> Thank you all for, uh-huh. uh, for coming in. I'm, I don't live up to the hype, what can I say? Uh, thank you all for <laughs> joining us. We've got an outstanding show for you this week, uh, but we'll kick it off by just reminding everybody that uh, our website, DontPanic.io, is the central hub for everything Don't Panic, uh, including all our episodes, audio, video, links to our Facebook, iTunes, RSS. It's all there uh, on our spanking new shiny website, uh, which I don't know how long I can say it's new, but I'm gonna keep saying it's it's always updating, so I guess it's always new. Uh, so you're definitely gonna want to go there and check it out. We do this show live every Monday night, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, uh, and you can follow us on social media is the best way uh, to see when the show goes live. And we'd love for you to join us in our email, don't panic show at gmail.com. Whew. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, uh, we mentioned it briefly on last week's show, and I kid you not, like 12 hours after we ended the show. News broke, of course. They had to wait for us to tape the show. Uh, And that would be uh, Microsoft. Now, we talked about this previously on the show back in the uh, early fall. Steve Ballmer announced that he was stepping down as CEO, the second ever CEO of Microsoft, uh, Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates, the only two. Um, And they were going to look for a replacement, and they said uh, they've got a year to search. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, this past week, they finally came up with an answer. The rumors were right. The speculation was pretty accurate. It is Satya Nadella uh, is the new uh, CEO of the Microsoft Corporation officially as of, I believe, Monday. Um, a little background on Nadella. I had a nice little cheat sheet here, and now I have to pull it up. Um Satya Nadella is uh, 46 years old. Uh, He's worked at Microsoft for 22 years now. Um, He's best known for his work uh, with the enterprise uh, side of the company. Um, Let's see. He's worked in the business division on Office. He's worked in Bing. uh, And he's certainly most known for working in the cloud business, uh, transferring over to Windows Azure, Um, and the underlying infrastructure for things like Bing, SkyDrive, Xbox Live and Skype. Uh, He has a deep understanding of knowledge of the computing and engineering uh, that these systems are based on. Um, It's also important to mention that uh, Bill Gates has stepped down as chair of the board, uh, replaced by Bill Thompson. Bill Gates will now simply be a technical advisor to the company uh, rather than the chair And a fun fact, uh, Steve Ballmer, uh, after his retirement as official, will be the single largest individual stockholder of the Microsoft Corporation.
1: Wow.
0: Bet you didn't know that. Um, so the, the big questions here, and I'll put it out to you guys, and we talked about this when they first announced Ballmer was stepping down. Who do you go for as the next CEO? Do you go for the business guy, a Stephen Elop type, uh, who a lot of people thought could be the CEO, or do you go with a programmer type? It appears they went more... Programmer Satya Nadella isn't really known for being a manager. Uh, he has run divisions, but he's certainly known as more of a geek, really, than anything else. Um, so, what do you guys, uh, you know, think think of this pick as a as CEO?
1: Well, it's I think the CEO is more like it doesn't the skills of a CEO aren't as important as the, like the the figureheadedness of it, you know. It's not like they're doing crazy management of some high-performance team, you know. They they go to the board meetings, they do interviews. They're they're basically a really high-paid PR person who is expected to carry all the weight and expected to have good judgment. Uh, and I think in that case, going for a younger person with more uh, serious technology credentials than you know Yahoo did this where they had a string of business people as CEOs and I'm sure they're perfectly competent, you know MBA business managers but you know they didn't capture the media attention look how much that's gotten Yahoo now yeah it
0: took Marissa Mayer who is a a real tech focused uh, individual
1: yeah she was an engineer at Google for many years so uh, yeah and I think I watched the uh, that it wasn't really an interview in that it wasn't actually critical at all, but the self, you know, what they called an interview that Microsoft did with itself with the guy, and he was walking through this beautiful Microsoft building and talking about how crazy he is, basically. Like, I signed up for all these online classes, and I don't finish any of them. <laughs> I read all these books about all sorts of crazy stuff. It's like, okay, that's endearing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's cool. I wonder um I wonder if his his background with um Azure and stuff is like any indication of of where they might be putting some some resources in the future going forward. Well,
1: I they did the devices and services thing over the well, summer. Well, and what's fascinating
0: about that is in the first speech given by Nadella as CEO, um, the, the word he said the most was software. He even said it, it, it kind of pivoting away from devices and services and moving to Microsoft as a software company. Mm-hmm. Um, and fo- Which, I mean, I think is the right strategy. I don't think Microsoft should ever be in hardware. Um, I think they should be on uh, just a, a software company. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it is interesting to see that immediately after taking over, he's immediately kind of made his stamp in saying that, um, we're really going to focus on software, software, software.
2: Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's, that makes sense. That's like what Microsoft does, really. Aside from, aside from like Nokia, right? Uh, but. I think that also made because like if they didn't buy Nokia, who is gonna make Windows phones? <laughs> so. Well,
0: and and uh, we won't talk about this today because it's not set, but it's rumored in the next couple weeks, Nokia is gonna release an Android phone. So, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really rumored, but there have been leaks for months. Uh, we know they they were developing it for years. Um, it's gonna be skinned to look like Windows Phone, just run more apps. That's that, the rumor. That, that's, that's
2: interesting.
0: Yeah, so we'll keep an eye out for that.
2: That actually makes a ton of sense. Well, except
0: except that Microsoft but, owns them.
2: <laughs>
0: maybe they'll pull a Google pull and
2: just sell them off.
0: That well, and you know that's a real point. That's that's a legitimate question. I just don't. But they uh, didn't even get
1: any real patents from it. I, I don't think there's any benefit no, in selling them Nokia off.
0: Nokia has a lot of patents. It's just a lot of it's in like mapping patents, and it's a lot of weird stuff. But yeah, they got a decent amount. Not not as much as Motorola though.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for to see if Microsoft will focus more on their cloud stuff. Uh, in mostly in terms of marketing, I think it's all really good, but it just doesn't have nearly the mindshare as the other things do, or at least doesn't yeah. seem to. We're not
2: necessarily the best audience. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I at this well, point. Well, I mean, we are. We're we're the correct audience though, right? are <laughs> we?
1: Well. Yeah, but sometimes the things that we use in no way reflect what the general population uses.
2: That's fair. Is I mean. That's fair. I mean, I, I still can't imagine that Azure is on the same scale as AWS though. But maybe I guess I could be wrong. I could. I have no basis for that statement. Just, <laughs> just, just that, that should be a new
0: tagline. <laughs> no <laughs> Got basis. It? Gotta appreciate the honesty. Uh, no, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of question that Microsoft is focusing heavily on the enterprise. It's most of their, the majority of their income. It's uh, the majority of their growth. I, I don't think anyone's questioning that. The real question comes in, people were wondering, what's the future of Microsoft? They are a big company that does a lot of things. And when you hire the cloud guy and the enterprise guy as your CEO, you look at something like Xbox, and you say, what's the future of this product? Is, is it something that they should spin off into a separate company? Is it something they should sell? Or is it something they should keep and continue to grow? Or does it distract away from the main company?
1: Uh, so mean, real I, quick, I read here on CNET, 20% of companies who use things like this use Azure, 71% use Amazon, and that's like 9% other.
2: Yeah. Sounds about right. They make
1: a billion dollars in revenue,
2: Azure does. Whoa. Yeah. As uh, a How much does Amazon make? Uh, a lot more. <laughs> about three times that much probably from the looks of it.
1: <laughs> well, and I will they t- get money at the same rate. I will tell you, Microsoft has 12
0: what they call billion dollar businesses, like Office itself is a billion dollar business, and this, that, Bing is a billion. Uh, nine of those 12 billion dollar businesses fall under enterprise. Some, something to keep in yeah. mind.
2: Well, I mean, enterprise. Think of think of how much money enterprise spends on things. <laughs>
1: like
2: I don't know Photoshop, just for instance. Yeah, <laughs> right, Photoshop. right. Think of think of the, just the ridiculous amounts of money that that enter that like enterprise <laughs> software sells for. Just ridiculous. Because <laughs> like, what are they going to do? There's no other option. They have to use this one. So they'll pay for it. Yep. It's crazy. It's crazy.
0: So, do, 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 so what do we see as the, the future of Microsoft? I mean, I, I think software is a good angle, but then you have to look at Xbox.
1: So I, so I read this somewhere, but uh, you know, Bill Gates' original, not maybe not original mission, but eventually the mission of Microsoft was a, a PC on every desk. I think there's another component to it. <laughs> that made it sound snappier. Uh, <clears throat> but I think the the new mission should be, like, Microsoft software running on every device, which isn't just desktop computers, but is every phone on every operating system, every tablet, every server, no matter what the operating system, uh, every embedded device, every TV, every game console, because they can do the software.
0: I think that's yeah. been a big drag for the company, quite honestly, is this insistence that it's Windows first. It's got to be Windows only. It's why are we making Office for other devices? It should just be for Windows because we own Windows. I mean, that's that's old thinking. <coughs> it's not this new thinking. There should be Office for iPad. It may, it's baffles me that there isn't. And, and that's just one example.
2: Yeah, right. And we talked about uh, that. Uh, before. <laughs> and, like, Android and, like, that stuffs. I mean, it's clearly there in... I mean, whether or not it competes with Windows directly is one one matter of discussion. But um, yeah, it I think there's money to be made there, certainly. So is this um, was also, equivalent
1: to the Amazon Kindle? Like they make their own platform and they eat their own lunch too, with the selling, not selling, but having apps on every platform in addition to having their own hardware. Right. Right.
0: I think that would be at least the short-term solution. I mean, I think in, I would argue in the long-term mm-hmm. I don't think any hardware maybe outside of Xbox is a smart idea. Um, just because, as Google learned, hardware is a really tough, really expensive business. And I think it distracts the company. Like, how much, what, they took a billion dollar write-off on Surface? I mean, y- you get distracted with these failures and it takes away from what they do really well. So yeah, but just, Google
1: also uses the Nexus thing. Like, wasn't Surface supposed to be the Nexus? It almost felt like people took it the wrong way. Not that it wasn't that great. I mean, it wasn't that great, but you didn't see any other companies really come out with things like the Surface. Or well, not that I've heard of. That's And the Surface, people who use it say it's a nice device. I
0: mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just I maybe it was cuz OEMs weren't willing to make the product themselves so Microsoft had to but it's and nexus kind of became that and that's why this there's a rumor going around now that they're going to phase out nexus uh in favor of google play edition of existing oh. of samsung's and motorola's and
2: mm-hmm. rather
0: than making one phone and selling it themselves and and i think Maybe Surface was the kick the industry needed to push tablets and Lenovo's making great tablets and Asus is making great tablets that they don't need it anymore. And I, I think phones will eventually get there where there will be some kind of ecosystem uh, and they won't have to do it, but I don't know. I don't know. Your, your guess is as good as mine.
2: Yeah, I guess, like, it doesn't make sense for, like, in my head that they should do software, but then, like, Xbox is kind of weird. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I guess to play in in the game console market, you kind of have to do hardware, right? Unless you're Steam. But, like, remains to be seen if that'll be an effective thing. Like, maybe it could be a thing that, like, the Xbox... Software just got sold on for, for like Windows style in the future, but I and think for now. Case. Yeah.
0: Um, well, while we're talking about Microsoft, uh, I wanted to mention Windows 8.1. First of all, I have to talk about the name for a second. okay. So <laughs> what would you think the next the update to Windows 8.1 would be called?
2: Uh, 8,
0: Windows 8.2. Windows 8.2, right. How about Windows 8.1 Update 1? <laughs> what? you got to get your SP1s and your SP2s. A, so either call it Windows 8 Update 2 or Windows 8.2. Why would – like, that's the dumbest thing. So, yes, we're, we're talking about Windows 8.1 Update 1. Uh <laughs> which is expected to be released in March along with the uh, Microsoft's Build Conference, and we have some leaks, and I just wanted to quickly uh, bring up what's new in uh, 8.1 Update 1. Uh, I'm going to use my one screen share. Uh, we get an episode. So, uh, maybe they fixed it. I don't know. I can't believe how how inconsistent Hangouts is, but let's not get started. Um, so here, let me do this. So here are some screenshots uh, of what it looks like. Now, the main differences you're going to see uh, is that – let me quickly lock onto my screen. Okay. Um, so the first thing you're going to see is up in the top corner. Uh, one of the biggest complaints with 8 was the fact that people couldn't find the power button, uh, believe it or not. It was because you had to swipe in. and uh, So now they've put a nice big fat power button uh, right on the top there in addition to oh, a that search was icon. Our complaint. Yeah. It, no, it was a, and even users still come to me today and are like, I can't figure out how to shut this down. So yes, they put <laughs> a nice big shutdown. Uh, you are in luck. Um, another feature is uh, let me, is that there's going to be a new title bar is what they're calling it for the Metro apps, which allow you to close, minimize, and snap apps by using this top bar. So let me see if there's an example. Okay, so I, don't, I know it's really small, but uh, up at the top it says PC settings, and there's a close and minimize. Just like you have in a traditional window, except that it's the full screen Metro. The reason for this is because currently to close apps, you have to do like an awkward swipe thing. Um, <laughs> it, it's terribly awkward uh, to close Metro apps. So now this is a one-click way to do it. Um, as well as minimize it and they will show up in your taskbar just like regular apps do. So that's nice you can get a preview and everything of that. Um, Let's see what else. Right clicking the live tiles now produces a context menu with options to do stuff which believe it or not didn't exist before. Um, There is also a rumor And this didn't show up in the leaked version, but it could still be rumored that on desktop hardware, it will default boot into desktop, whereas on tablets and convertibles and touch laptops, it will launch into Metro by default, which is an interesting thing. Oh, it makes perfect sense, and and now you can it boots to Metro everywhere, but you can go in and set it to boot to desktop. It's just a checkbox; you just have to know where to look. But this would do it uh, by default, right? But like, if you don't have a
2: touchscreen, it know.
0: makes perfect sense. Well, and businesses, I'm sure, would love it too, or at least give the OEMs right. the option to ship it that way. Um, that is the majority of changes. Uh, here's that uh, right-click menu I showed you. So it's a lot of small tweaks, but God, it's a lot of stuff it really needed. Um, and I think things that are going to make a big difference to users, uh, namely the power button and being able to close and minimize apps and treat them a little bit more like your traditional apps give you more options. So that is ex- it is expected to release on March 11th uh, is the current date. Uh, that the final version, though, you won't be able to download it until uh, April, and that'll be delivered through the Windows Store, just like the uh,
1: 8.1. How do you? Can you right-click with a touchscreen? Um, yes, you press and hold, but
0: um, what you would do with a touchscreen is you would swipe up, uh, okay, uh, and use the uh, whatever. I, I know the sidebar is charms. I don't know what the bottom bar is, but you would swipe up and do it that way. Gotcha. <laughs> It's really, uh, most of these things, quite honestly, are designed to be used with a mouse and a keyboard, like having the Metro apps in your taskbar and things of that nature. It's really designed for desktop users. Well,
1: that's good, because <laughs> nothing else was designed for desktop PCs and Metro up until now. No, I agree. These are, th- these are things that should have been there from day one.
0: So that'll yeah. be a, f- a free update to uh, Windows 8 and Windows 8.1 users, so... Uh, Eight. Look for that. Okay. I would like to talk about Dan. Me? Yes. Dan and Facebook. Oh. So why don't you lead us off? Because you brought this to uh, all of our attention.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I just thought... So Sean is into marketing. I'm not. I don't know anything about (laughs) it. Uh, So... I was, re- I was watching this video about this person who did this experiment where uh, apparently, it wasn't well-known to me, but apparently it's well-known that there's this whole kind of like click farming in other ad systems on face- for Facebook, except it's, you know, like farming at the end of the day because there's not ads, there's likes. Like, that's how they measure engagement. Uh, so, of course, there's illicit businesses that... Uh, you can pay to get people to like things for you, uh, some of them are probably botnets where they're pretty easy to shut down, uh, cause that looks very suspicious, but others apparently are like farms of actual human beings who go through and click on these things, uh, and get paid one per a thousand clicks or something was a number he cited, I don't know where he got that from. Uh, but I can't imagine they get paid a whole lot. And so that's how this happens. Or you can do what we did at Don't Panic and pay Facebook for the privilege of advertising to their fine user base uh, and then get some likes that way, which worked. Uh, but this person was tried a couple different things. He, uh, I'm trying to think of the right, so he, he took out, he made a fake web, He made a fake page, a Facebook page about cats and said in the description, you know, this is stupid, don't like it, and he only posted, he didn't show what he posted, but he claimed that he posted only the most inane things. Uh, And then he targeted it only to the US, the UK, and uh, some other place, maybe Canada, uh, to try to eliminate many of the countries. He also looked at some of the top brands like Volvo and, you know, David Beckham and found that, you know, the uh, the top countries that these people's likes came from were, you know, suspicious, like Sri Lanka and, you know, all these places. Like, is really, is Volvo really, you know, what they're most interested in? Anyways, who knows? Maybe it is. Uh, I guess I should say that before he did this, he did a, an ad campaign without geographic restriction, And then he measured engagement. I think this was on his actual page. I'm really bad at telling these kind of stories, Sean, I apologize. (laughs) No, you're...
2: you're So,
1: yeah, so he did one on his actual, his company's page, but no geographic restrictions, which people criticized in comments for this as a bad strategy for doing advertising anyways. Uh, But, and then he measured engagement, and he looked at a couple of countries, like Germany had the most engagement, The US was pretty middle of the road, you know, 20% of people who liked his page ever engaged on it in like a week after or something like that. But then he looked at the other countries, the not Western ones, and where the majority of his likes, like 80% of his likes, came from these countries that 0% of people or close to 0% of people ever engaged from which apparently negatively impacts your future ad's ability to propagate because uh, your ad's more likely to get shown in the user's stream if people engage with it, but it's a proportion of how many people saw it that determines how hot it is or something. That's purely conjecture. I don't know if that's true. So then he went back and he did it and excluded the countries, like I was saying, and yet again... Uh, he got 25 likes from people who like cats in the U.S., the U.K., and Canada, and none of them engaged ever, and they were all, all of them had a disproportionate amount of likes and very little content for themselves on their page. Like, they liked thousands, like, five, six, seven thousand things, uh, and they were, you know, multiple car companies, Pepsi and Coke, and all these things, uh, so, I guess I didn't realize how any of this worked. Uh, I assumed that you bought an ad, and that was it. There was no customization. There was no settings. There, You had some text. You had some copy, and you shot it at people, and you hope it stuck, which is like all advertising used to be. Uh, but apparently, it's now much more complicated. Also, you couldn't pay people to go and look at magazines and to try to boost your, you, you would never do that as an advertiser back in the day because you've just lost money. Those people aren't going to buy your thing, so there's no point in paying someone to look at a magazine that had no intention of buying the thing that you're trying to sell them. Uh, so it's interesting how much it, it looks to me like it's changed.
0: So, all right, I'm, I'm, I'll try and simplify it and break it down in terms of advertising. Okay. Okay. Because I have studied this, and I can assure you, in advertising classes and colleges today, social media is the hot new hotness. One of the biggest things you need in terms of quantifying your ads is response rate. I show the ad to one person. That person buys the product. That's a 100% response rate. Different media types have different response rates. For example... a a direct mailer I send you in the mail has a higher response rate than a billboard you see on the highway okay and you can measure all that the thing television is still today and was the uh, largest amount spent in terms of overall advertising but the problem with that is it has a low response rate because you're just kind of shooting anything that moves at that point because it's so broad even Nielsen ratings aren't even that accurate you don't know how many people went and left to go to the bathroom or get something out of the fridge? And how many of those people actually go and buy your product? It's very difficult. So the holy grail is social media. Because you can go to Facebook and say, I don't want people who don't care about my product. Wait, you can tell me I can only I can target married women between ages of 35 and 45 who live in New York? That's my whole target. Like that's an amazing thing in terms of advertising something that could never be done before the internet that's the promise what people are finding is that the promise through paid social media advertising and i want to point out this is true of facebook but also a lot of other twitter and a lot of other companies is that it's overpromised and underdelivered you're not you are reaching some of those people but this idea that you know, Facebook will tell you, there are 35,000 people that exactly fit your target, and you'll think, well, I'm reaching 100% of them. You're not. That's it's. I don't want to say it's misleading, but it kind of is in a way. And I will say I've I've ran a- admins on two different social media accounts that have uh, had paid like sponsorship through Facebook. And while the numbers do go up in terms of like, I personally have not seen engagement move the needle, okay? Now, that's just my personal experience. But the reason it's okay, and there's – I don't – when I heard about this, my immediate reaction was, wait a second, that can't be right. But it's actually not that bad, and here's why. Even if a million people like your page, but only 5,000 of them care, that's okay because a million is a big number, and that's all people care about, you see? It doesn't matter who those million people are. Yes, your engagement's going to be lower, and that kind of defeats the purpose. That's true. But just the fact that you have that number, is all, it's, it's, it's very much a psychological thing. It's kind of that idea where you see a TV show has 9 million viewers, and you go, wow, that's a lot of people. <laughs> but that's an estimated number by Nielsen. You don't know how many of those people left halfway through, how many people fast-forwarded through parts of it. It's just a big number that sounds good, and that's what likes really are. Let's be honest. They're big numbers that sound good. Whoa, we just crossed 500
1: likes. Well, how did you get them? Doesn't matter. But it, who – but, it, like, I I don't care how many likes a thing has. I As a
0: user, you're right. You, well, you don't think you do. But let's say you were uh, – I, I got to think of an interesting product. You were trying new brands of potato chips, okay? And brand X has a hundred thousand likes, and brand B has ten thousand likes. You're going to compare those numbers. You're not going to think about, well, did they pay to get those extra likes? Are those, you know, quality users? All you're going to see is a number. So believe it or not, you don't think, but it does. It's the same idea of a Super Bowl commercial. Do Super Bowl commercials really sell more product? Not marginally, but not to $4 million for 30 seconds. No, it's about Mm -hmm. the prestige. It's about having that big, showy, flashy commercial. I don't like that aspect of advertising. I hate it. I love the engagement social media provides. But that's not really what advertisers care about, and it's not what advertisers are getting. They're getting what they need, not what they should be getting, I guess is my point. Did that make sense?
1: Yeah. I, felt, I felt like yeah. I just
0: kind of rambled on. But no,
1: no, 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 no. I mean it makes sense. It wasn't obviously what I thought advertising and social media was about, but
0: Well, and there really are, you know, it's interesting, but there really are two sides. There's awareness and interaction. Which are really two of them. Some websites, they just want to know you ex- they, they just want you to know they exist. That's kind of what we do on social media. We just want you to know don't panic is a thing and you should watch us. You know, are we really that upset because no one comments? No, because we really want them to just click through. But there are other sites who all, what what I do at the Marist Archives, which you should all like at facebook.com slash (laughs) Archives, it's not about how many likes we have. It is solely, and I track all these numbers, it's solely about interaction, creating a dialogue, because you want users to have those warm and fuzzy feelings to think about you. Um... Paid advertisement is for awareness. It's not really for interaction.
1: And just, I think, advertisers... But you can't... So, so that's impressions, then, that you're caring about at that point? Yeah, yeah. Because a like is a
0: number. I mean, it is a number. And you are getting likes. How you get them,
1: you know, does it so really that matter? That person, he only looked at engagement. He didn't look at whether his impressions per ad were going up. Right, like, and... When he posts something, how many people see it, in that case, would be more important than if anyone ever engages with it or talks about it.
0: Right. And people are going to see, and that's the difference between pages and posts, is that uh, when you advertise something for a like, you're advertising the page, usually. I mean, you can do sponsored posts and things of that nature, but most of the time you're advertising the page as a whole. And obviously you don't get the individual interaction. Someone could like your page and never actually visit it. I mean that's a real possibility, and we've seen that happening. Um, so yeah. do I do I think this is a bad thing? I don't. I and I would say a lot of people in the advertising industry are aware of this. I just don't think your average person is aware of this. I do think it's a real thing, and I don't think it's Facebook trying to scam you. I think it happens across all social media. It's just a byproduct of the system. You know, it's it's people. It's people who. Look at mag- waiting rooms who buy magazines. Well, how many people actually look at those magazines sitting in the waiting room? Well, you can't get a fair number of that. You know, it, it's advertising is about numbers, and those numbers are the biggest lie in the advertising industry is that those numbers actually mean something. And, <laughs> and it and it's true. Those they don't. They really don't. It's just how much you believe in them. And as of right now, likes have a lot. Just of like Bitcoin. In.
1: Just like Bitcoin, it's not a real thing. <laughs> Advertising is like Bitcoin. I understand now. It's <laughs> I could, like, no, but I think this is a really
0: interesting discussion, and uh, it is an interesting point to, to look at, and all of this is so brand new. I actually learned a new marketing term the other day, and I thought it was so hilarious, and it was, uh, what was it? Slow Mo Lovo is the new hot thing in advertising. Yeah, this is a real thing, and it stands for social mobile Local video, slow mo, low bow, and those are the four aspects to advertising of the twenty first century. I'm not making this stuff up. Advertising is crazy. So, yeah, don't don't even get me started. It's nuts. So, good on uh, good on them for that. So, <laughs> we're really wacky.
1: Cool. Very good. I, I learned me a thing.
0: That's that is enough of that. Uh, is there a story you guys want to jump to next in particular? A flappy Bird. Flappy clearly,
1: Bird. Clearly. <laughs> now, did either of you? I didn't play this. I just I bought it the day, and by bought I mean got it for free the day before they were taking it down. And and I, and. Can, I
2: haven't played it myself, but I've watched other people.
1: <laughs> well,
2: can you guys... I know nothing
1: about this other than the name and the fact it's But Can you give us a
0: synopsis of the game? This is Flappy Bird. Have you
1: ever played any of the helicopter games from, like, Super Nintendo or on, like, Flash websites where the helicopter is automatically descending, but you have to keep pressing a button to, like, pop it up in the air? Yep. It's that. But with a bird and Mario pipes. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's very a completely different. derivative work, and it's supposed to be very difficult, right? Oh yeah, it's it's act terrible. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's a good game at all. <laughs> I think that's part of the charm. I don't know. Like,
2: <laughs> I heard it's the hit been a it's very a memeish crazy. thing.
0: <laughs> well, uh, the reason we're talking about Flappy Bird is because uh, it came out of nowhere uh, by uh, Vietnamese. Uh, developer uh, Dong Ngu, Ngujian, uh who developed this and uh, two other top 10 free iPhone apps. Uh, he did this for that and for uh, Android. And talk about viral. I mean, this thing caught on. I, I mean, I don't – it doesn't say in this article how long. It can not have been out for more than a couple weeks. And it was uh, number one in the app store. It was reaching up to $50,000 a day in revenue from in-app ads um, I mean this thing just exploded um, and what's crazy is that the developer took to Twitter and basically said that he was uh, he was done he wanted a break and uh, let's see I, there's there's some quotes from him on Twitter I wanted to read he said press people are overrating the success of my games it is something I never want please give me peace was what he tweeted out, among other things. Um, and it took a lot of people by surprise the other day when he tweeted out that he was uh, pulling the game off both uh, the iOS App Store and the Google Play Store. Uh, people weren't sure if he was serious, and he did. It's uh, it's pulled off of the... Uh, of the App Store, uh, he says it was not due to legal reasons. Uh, there was some rumor that Nintendo had tried to shut him down for the Mario ripoff. Nintendo and uh, the developer both denied that, and he's also said he's not interested in selling the game to uh, to a third party. So, hmm. it's it's a it's a very bizarre story. He said. Um, he, he started with, uh, I'm sorry, Flappy Bird users, 22 hours from now, this was uh, two days ago, I will take Flappy Bird down. I cannot take this anymore. Uh, it is not anything related to legal issues. I just cannot keep it anymore. And he says he's going to continue to make games. I mean, it's really just a question of did he get uh, re- overrun by the pressure of having such an immensely popular game with tens of millions of downloads.
1: Wasn't well, there some question as to whether or not he kickstarted the original download spree with, like, click farming, like farming, uh, download farming on the App Store? Uh,
0: I had not heard that, but that would be very interesting.
1: I, I read that on a thing that, you know... Disclaimer, no facts back then. <laughs> <So.
0: laughs> you should just have that on a scroll at the bottom of the screen <laughs> yeah. for the whole show. Um, he did tweet, um, I can call Flappy Bird is a success of mine, but it also ruins my simple life, so now I hate it. <laughs> I mean, it could have just been a personal thing, it's, it's really hard to
1: say. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, don't know. I don't know. So, I'm the only one who's played Flappy Bird? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw it,
2: and then didn't download it. I watch I watched like Joey and Greg play it.
1: <laughs> it doesn't even get harder. It's just it's just like the same level of difficulty and it's
2: pure endurance. It's really <laughs> pretty silly. I just thought like everyone seemed quite frustrated in general when playing it. It's it maybe it's because
1: it's so abrupt when you fail. There's no animation. It's just like boom, you're done, game over screen. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's it's an, a fascinating story of something that in just a very short amount of time became immensely popular and just overwhelmed uh, some guy halfway around the world who just decided it wasn't worth. The, the hassle and the effort and just decided to shut it down. so
1: Shut it down.
0: Shut it down, indeed. Uh, that he <laughs> did. Um, Alright, well, uh, a couple of uh, really quick things. I don't want us to run too long. Uh, I wanted to mention that uh, Sony has uh, made a deal to sell off its Vio PC business uh, and is splitting its TV business into a separate company. Uh, this comes on the heel of uh, Sony having Not quite disastrous, but uh, pretty $1.1 billion in an annual loss last year. Um, Highlights included the PS4 and uh, games for PlayStation, but its uh, Vio PC company was imploding upon itself, so it has decided to sell it to uh, Japan Industrial Partners. um, That's the name of the company? That bought it, yes. I don't know what they make or do, but they've purchased it. Uh, No price was listed for the sale. Sony will cut about 5,000 jobs worldwide by the end of this fiscal year. Um, so, there you go. No more VIO PCs. Another nail in the coffin for the uh, PC industry. Um, let's see, there's a news story on the rundown. Um, so there has been some question, Colby. You put this in. Did you want to talk about this this week, or did you want to hold off to next week? Or your
2: call? It's
0: my call. Oh, that's very kind. Uh, whoever is, you know, you're
2: the you're the arbiter of all
0: things. Oh, that's very generous. Uh, we're gonna wait. We're running a little late, so we'll. I want to do some research on this before we talk about it, so we don't just talk out of our behinds. Uh, so uh, we'll hold this off. Uh, here's a tease for next week. Um, Is Verizon and Comcast throttling Netflix, or is Netflix placing all the blames on the ISPs? You'll have to tune in next week to find out.
1: (laughs) Because we'll know the answer.
0: (laughs) Oh, of course. It'll be crystal clear. Um, Wonderful. Well, let's get into the uh, picks this week, and we have got a lot of picks this week. My God. Uh, I will go first, but I promise uh, I won't take too long, but I have to switch to the demo cam, so give me a sec.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Demo. Okay. na Okay. So, lately, <laughs> <Hello there.
1: laughs>
0: um, so lately I have uh, no free time, so I decided to take up another hobby. Um, and I've always wanted to read comic books, but I've never ever really read any comic books. I know nothing about them. What's good? What's not good? Historically, what's good? What's hot now? So I found two uh, apps that have made um, reading comics fun and easy and, uh, and a couple recommendations. And I don't – we haven't talked about Comixology on the show before, have we? I don't think so. I don't I don't think we did, but for some reason I – maybe I was going to recommend it and then didn't. But uh, so my first app is Comixology uh, with an X, so C-O-M-I-X-O-L-O-G-Y. Um, and here it is on the demo cam. Whoa. So uh, this is... i got to figure out the angles here. So this is Comixology. Um, and this is, I found, the best way to get new comics uh, for purchase. Uh, they update it every week with new uh, comics. And you can see here there's just um, all kinds of things. The biggest names, Marvel, DC, uh, Dark Horse. But there's also uh, independent develop, uh, publishers can upload their own comics. Um and they're really beautiful. You can search by uh, publisher, and publisher here are some of the big names, um, by series, by genre, by creator. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can uh, find these comics, and they do a really – it's a really nice app, um, I think. And what's great is uh, you can click – so here's a random, and you can see all the back issues. Uh, with options to buy now, add to your wish list for later, add an alert, which is great. You get a uh, push notification when the next issue comes out, uh, a summary, uh, previews, related titles, just like anywhere else you'd buy stuff. Um, what's really great is you have the uh, My Books section. So I, uh, I purchased uh, a comic book and a graphic novel to test this out. Uh, the first is Fables, which I've been told I need to read because it's supposed to be excellent. Um, And you can see here, basically, you get the idea uh, of it as a reader. It looks great on an iPad. This is an iPad mini, uh, but the retina display looks great. You can really zoom in and get some good detail. Wow. Uh, And it scrolls quickly. Uh, You can also float page to page, and there's some settings you can adjust. Uh, I'll show you here uh, a new comic book. This is the new Miss Marvel series. It just came out. Uh, It was the the deal this week, and you can see some of the really awesome-looking art. Um, Give it some nice detail. It's a really great app, and I find it a a nice way to, if you want to quickly go through it, you can, but you can also get in some good detail uh, as well. So, Comixology is, uh, in my opinion, the best way to get new comics, but if you're like me and you've never uh, read comics before... Turns out there are millions of comics that have already been written. Whoa. So what are you to do? Well, um, how about an all-you-can-eat archive for all the comics of the past? The Netflix of comics. Well, that would be Marvel Unlimited. Now, this is uh, Marvel's comic books, only Marvel. Uh, but for a monthly or yearly fee, you get an a- access to thousands of of back issues of Marvel going all the way back to when they first began uh, in the 50s and 60s. Um, they add new ones. Now, they're about six months behind new issues, so obviously new stuff is comicsology. but uh, if you're really looking for a way to pass time and read old comics, this is a really great way to do it. Um, you can, again, search by series, by character, uh, by what's popular, by individual artists. Um, you can click anyone at random because they're all included, and you just hit Read Now. And just like that, there you go. And you're reading a comic. Uh, again, you get the really uh, high-quality uh, art. If it'll zoom in for me there. You see the quality. But what's great is just the sheer amount of content. For example, uh, if I go into browse, and I can just say, let's go to Characters, and let's just say Spider-Man. Uh, I mean, just the sheer amount of... There's, there's probably about 50 different series... Uh, and some of these have over 900 issues. Um, there's Amazing Spider-Man number 700. And you get all the back issues. So um, it's Marvel Unlimited. It is $10 a month if you buy it monthly. It's $70 a year if you buy it yearly, which really I don't think is particularly bad, um, especially if it's something you're going to consistently read. So um, there you go. Those are my picks this week. Uh, Comicsology for new comics. Uh, and Marvel Unlimited for um, old past uh, old past issues. Um, let's. The only thing I wanted I should have seen, I should have checked this before the show. Um, they are both available on iOS, uh, and they both work on the iPhone. I don't know why you would really want to. Uh, to read a comic book on such a small screen, but you can.
1: When you're standing on a train and you only have one arm to hold something with. Well, it's perfect. I've learned
0: that. Comixology also has an Android, Kindle Fire, and Windows 8 app, which I didn't know, and now I'm actually really excited to uh, try, which is awesome. And uh, let me just quickly see about Marvel Unlimited and... uh, what platforms that is on. I believe it's just iOS, but I don't want to make things up out of my... Oh, it's uh, I, iOS and Android for Marvel Unlimited, so you got a lot of options. Check that out. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm done talking, uh, as if that's a thing. So, no, I'm not. But uh, how about uh, you guys? Who wants to uh, jump in next?
2: I'll go. Okay. Um... So I'll keep it short and sweet. I went to see the Lego movie yesterday. It was amazing. It was it was hilarious in both a topical and Lego centric sort of way. So go see it. It's awesome.
0: That's the shortest pick we've ever done. <laughs> yes. do, do you want to talk about what uh, specifically you liked about it? I mean, don't you know? Don't give no, anything away. But were there, there? There
2: were lots of if there were Legos and there were lots of Lego related jokes. And also, like, like topical jokes, topical humor, and Legos, and topical humor and Legos, for for like an hour and a half, it was great. Wow, it was everything I've always wanted. (laughs)
0: Colby, Colby, you should definitely do a movie review site. I would be so in favor of that. You're like Titanic.
1: Yeah, when you have no time to read an actual review, just Colby give you the two sentence (laughs) one. One so, sentence is the headline, and you click through, you get the next sentence.
0: Schindler's List was kind of a bummer. There were some Nazis. It, it wasn't. It was sad. There you go, Colby's free. Uh, Lego, <laughs> Lego, movie is a ninety-five percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes yeah. right now. It's, uh, it's
2: very good. That's was, like, I didn't. I, I. There was apparently there was hype. I didn't know there was hype, so I went into it blind. But like, it's real good. You should go see it if you, if you. I don't know. If you played with Legos as a child, you should go
0: enjoy it. That is an outstanding, uh, an outstanding review. Wonderful. All right, Lego Movie. Uh, more information at thelegomovie.com. All right, uh, Dan, do we have an update uh, in your ongoing quest to make email your bitch?
1: <sighs> yeah, we do. Uh, gonna use up my screen share for the day.
2: So yeah, try this
1: unit box. One UniboxApp.com. Uh, it's very Mac-ish, very nice-looking. Uh, so I want to do the pros and cons in order that they appear on their marketing page. Con: Emails organized by person does not work for me because I frequently most of the email I get is from someone I don't care about because either it's a newsletter or you know some basically a notification, like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, GitHub. It's something that isn't actually a person, so that doesn't work. There's no picture to pull in. There's nothing. Or if it is a person, it still is almost certain that I don't know who they are and don't care about who they are specifically in the case. So I subscribe to a couple different mailing lists. I'm on the uh, Elixir language mailing list, a Ruby mailing list and a couple others, and I don't care who the people are who are emailing me. I just care what they're saying about the topic. So the you know I get this guy's mug and, or girl's mug and, in my thing, it's just and I can't really follow which is like the mailing list thing and which is something else. So that didn't really work. Pros: the attachments do work very nicely. Uh, setup was pretty good. Uh, this single window thing they talk about here is actually the coolest part. So they talk about how they make email like I am, uh, which really means that instead of this weird uh, open up a window, type a message, press send, watch a progress bar flow, you just type a thing and press enter, and it just instantly appears as if it has sent, even though it's already sending in the background, which is a much better experience for actually rapidly replying to emails than... Uh, other apps where they take the more traditional approach. But the person-centric thing killed it for me. So, that's my another anti-pick. But, I have a pick-pick for this week. Last week, unfortunately, I think it's over. It might not be, though. Uh, We can find out. Uh, Civilization 5... Oh, you still got 7 days! Uh, Civilization 5... And all, a couple of Civilization games were on the Humble Bundle, so you could pay nothing and get them. Or you could pay $15 and get the expansion pack for Civilization V, which was what I did. So I paid $15 and got Civilization V and the expansion pack. And has anyone here played a Civilization game before? No, but I... I have not
2: been a very long time, though.
1: This seems like something I want, so... So is... It is just, like, such a well-designed game. Like, I don't know. It's, it's like, if they turned this game into one of those in-app purchase games, they would make billions of dollars because there's so much potential. <laughs> like, you're waiting for buildings to build. Uh, you're purchasing units with in-game money that you gain by trading with people. And, and like... Damn, don't
2: encourage them to do that. <laughs> I'm not.
1: But, and the, the turns and... Th- uh, so... Basically, in Civilization, you start off with a settler, a warrior, and and that's it. And from there, you, like, conquer the world, and you have to make sure you set up your cities in the right spot, and you're, like, all a good variety of resources, and you want to trade with people, and you want to make sure your culture is really viral, but you don't want to spend, you know, if you let down your military guard, then someone will just come in and conquer you, and then it's game over. But if you spend too much in your military, then someone might undermine your culture. Uh, and it's turn-based, so at least for me, I just kept clicking, next turn, next turn, next turn, and it like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., multiple times. <laughs> it, was, it was not good. But for $15, if you have a weekend where you need to kill some time, or... Any and it's it's great because if you only have 20 <laughs> minutes,
0: have to
1: Yeah, if you only have 20 minutes, you can play two turns and that's it. You can stop, but if you, it will expand to fill the time that you actually have to play it. Because uh, you always <laughs> want to know what's this guy gonna do. You know, when's when's my you know tank gonna get over there? Uh, it's really good. Uh, That's so awesome. Civilization Five, fifteen $15. You cannot beat the price. It has online, so if you two people are going to buy it, we should get an online game going, which is great because it's asynchronous. So you can just play a turn and leave. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Civilization Five is my other actual pick.
0: Now, maybe, uh,
1: maybe, I um, maybe I'm out of touch. Uh, explain to me this Humble Bundle concept. Oh, so Humble Bundle started with a bunch of indie developers wanted to drive up sales for their games, so they said, you can pay whatever you want for all of these games, and we don't even get the money that you actually pay us if you decide to pay us anything. We split it with these charities. And, of course, it turned out that they made more money that weekend than they'd ever made in their entire lives because it went viral. Uh, And now they do. I don't really understand because this isn't an indie developer at all. Sorry. They make great games, but they're a big developer. Uh, so now they sell, I guess they sell some indie games constantly, and then they have other little specials, uh, but that was a genesis of it, so you can pay $0 and get these games. Well, you can get $0 in this case and get most of the games, you have to pay more than the average, which is currently $9.18 to get Civilization V in the first expansion pack, and then if you pay more than 15, you also get the second expansion pack. Huh. Uh, so that's a new innovation there, too. But basically, it's like Steam, but it works on all the platforms. Linux, Mac, Windows, uh, Android, iPhone.
0: Awesome. No, yeah. this, is, uh, this is cool. I'm, I'm so here I it says total
1: payments that. for Humble Bundle. $2,695,693.38. 293000 total purchases. Every, oh, that's just this bundle. Yeah. The average purchase, $9.18. Uh, the top money paid was uh, $1,234.56. 1, Very 1, cool. 5, 6. Yeah. You can well, also that's... customize the split, so you can give the developers all your money, all your $15, or you can give them nothing and split it all between the charities, uh, which is also cool. This is neat. Well, uh... I'm definitely going
0: to purchase this. We'll have to get an online game going.
2: Yes. I'm in yes. favor of that. I'm in the process of purchasing it right now.
0: <laughs> That's great, yeah. I'm a, I'm a
1: nerd we'll for this. We'll
2: see if my MacBook Air can handle it.
1: I think it can.
2: Yeah. I can only hope.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I it's certainly hope fun. so.
2: Yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. Wow, some good. awesome good stuff this <sighs> week. What an outstanding show I think we had today. Uh, I am just uh, a proud papa right now. Uh, <laughs> is there uh, anything more from uh, you guys before we uh, send it off? What are you drinking, Dan?
1: Yingling. Yingling.
0: That's a good call. I respect that. Uh,
1: yeah. There's okay.
0: nothing wrong with that. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> what are you drinking, Sean? I'm
0: drinking Pepsi out of a mug.
1: Really? Yeah, it's just... It's, <laughs> Just a can of uh, Pepsi. Nice. I figured... yeah, do you like both <laughs> Pepsi and Coke on Facebook? Uh, I like them both
0: in real life, so I ah. do like. You know what's really funny? I do like Coke on Facebook, but I don't like Pepsi. I don't I know why, that. though.
1: Huh?
0: I realize that. <laughs> I, you know, it. I'll leave you with this quick story. But uh, for my uh, media planning class, I have to do a uh, a media journal where I write. All the media I use over the span of a couple days, television, internet, and all the ads I see when I do it. God, Turns out a full-time out, job. No, no, but believe it or not, I don't really see that many ads. Oh, I believe that. Because every like I do a lot of media, do but you it was shocking. No, it's not even that. I use like the Twitter app, so I don't see any inline tweets. I use the Facebook app, so I rarely see ads. I have DVR or I watch things on Netflix. Like, I never see ads.
1: But didn't Facebook – here, we're just going to extend the show. Didn't Facebook have a their earnings call where they, like, like, mobile ad revenue was, like, way more than anyone thought it would ever be or something uh, like that?
0: That's true. Um, maybe I do have – and I'm going to open up Facebook right now and see. Maybe I do have inline ads and I just Did don't Did we talk notice. about
1: the Facebook pages thing either? What about the pages thing? Did we talk about that right. last
0: week? They, there are ads. I didn't even notice what? these. <laughs>
1: I'm going to have to log these. It's a subconscious. Subliminal. That's, that's why they
2: do so well.
0: No, and it's like <laughs> Those are suggest- corrections
1: that no one's even realizing.
0: It's suggested apps, and you can just click and go right to the app store.
1: Oh, yeah, the War of Clans and all that stuff. Yeah, but did they- we
0: talk about Facebook pages last week? Uh, what's specifically about what them?
2: Did we talk about it at all? I, I don't think so. Okay. No, we should
0: talk about it next week. Okay. That what but a great tease.
1: I think it's really interesting.
2: You're such yeah. a tease, Dan. Uh,
0: very good. Well, that wraps us up for tonight's episode of Don't Panic. We thank all of you for joining us uh, again Monday nights, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, join us live, of course. Don't is our website, and if there's anything I can recommend, if you like the show. Tell a friend, get them to come watch us, because we're we're gonna go viral. Uh, we're gonna be the next Flappy Bird. You never know. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, uh, on behalf of the three of us, I thank uh, everybody for joining us, uh, and we'll end the show uh, by simply saying good night.